I want to say uh, another great big uh, congratulations to all the dads. So make sure you grab some, uh, some gifts on your way out if you're a dad. Or if you've got a dad who's not here, take, take a chocolate bar and a, a bottle of drink home for them. Also, um, it's really great to have the crew up at Alliston today. So we've got a, a fair crew up there this morning uh, bringing church to Alliston, which we do every month on the first Sunday of the month. So just uh, uh, so, um, so good to be able to send people up there each month and do church up there. So uh, this morning, I haven't got a typical Father's Day message, um, but it's a good message and I hope you're going to get a lot out of it. So before we get into that, I just want us to pray that the Holy Spirit opens our, our thinking that we can receive what God wants to say. Because there's, there's one thing to have a ball thrown at you, there's another thing to catch it. So this morning, we're going to be throwing some spiritual things at you, and I want you to catch it, with both hands even, like that. Have a big mark, big overhead mark, chest marks. So, you know, when it's, as I'm chucking them or booting them, you grab it. So you're ready for that? Let's pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for your Spirit's power. We thank you for your Word. We thank you that it guides us, uh, brings us truth, and causes us to grow in our spirit. So this morning, I pray for your Word, that by your Spirit, you'll uh, minister to our hearts and change our lives as we see these things uh, for the first time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I've sort of got a lot of things going around in my head today, but uh, we have messed up our service a lot. We're going to have our worship at the end because I want us to do something uh, that honours God in our life. Like uh, we just do things in church. It's too easy to go along and think, well, you know, we do a fast song, then we do a slow song, and then we do communion, and then we, then we do some preaching and all that stuff. But we, we want to have uh, an unpredictability about what we're doing. And sometimes we, we, we might mess things up, but it doesn't mean that God's not here. It just means that uh, we've changed the service, that's all. So <clears throat> we have a, uh, I'm getting into my message now, we have a human instinct um, that enables us to see inconsistencies in others, uh, yet we can be blind to the same things in our own life. So it's easy to, to, to be an expert in everyone else's life. Why are they wasting their money? Why are they going on holidays over there? Why are they doing that? Why have they got those flowers in their garden? Well, wouldn't it be just like this? But, you know, we, we're experts. It's, a, it's an inbuilt instinct that we have to look at other people's things, their lives and all that stuff, and yet be blind to our own inconsistencies. So um, one of the areas that we often don't see or don't want to see are the things that have our heart. So, you know, we, we might use a term that uh, somebody has this or that as an idol in their life. So that's got their heart. And, and it's amazing that we can see that in somebody else, but we can't see what's got our heart. See, the Bible has a lot to say about idols, uh, especially in the Old Testament. It was all, a lot of references to idols that were statues or, or, or you know, things that they set up that people worshipped. Um, the Bible clearly warns us about the danger of idols, and how that they can infiltrate our life and cause us to, to put uh, something else in the place that God wants in our lives. And, and the whole thing I hope this morning that you can absorb is that Jesus Christ wants to hold a place in your life that is going to be such a blessing and such a powerhouse for you that you don't want to leave this place having something else in that way. Oh, you're excited about that. 
But first, let me introduce a concept um, that's going to run through everything today. Um, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I should have, uh, the scripture should be popping up any second there for you. Um, But it says this, Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, that's just a little springboard for the rest of what we're going to be talking about. So we've got to get this concept first, that Jesus said to people, any of you wants to be my follower, you've got to give up your own way. You can interpret that lots of ways. Give up your own way. Stop doing things your way. Um, in, other, in other ways, it's saying stop, uh, give up your life, in a sense. And he says, take up my cross and follow me. Second Chronicles chapter 31. We're going back to the Old Testament now. We read the story of a great time in history when God's people restored themselves to worship God. Um, I'll give you some background. I know if you're part of our church, you would have heard this before. But for people who are unfamiliar, we've got to realize some of the backgrounds of the stories in the Bible so we can get the full understanding of what's going on here. So <clears throat> before this, this wonderful time in 2 Chronicles 31, um, we've got to go back to some go back a few generations to the separation of two nations. They are Israel and Judah. And sometimes people read the Old Testament and they don't understand. It seems very confusing because it talks about different kings and different kingdoms because the kingdom of Israel was once one kingdom under King David. It was one, one country. But then uh, there came a time when King David died. Uh, then his, his son Solomon came in after him. Is this interesting, everybody, a history lesson? Then, then his son Solomon died and his son took over and then the people started to complain because they didn't want to pay tax anymore and so there was such a huge uh, um, confrontation that some of the people said, well, we're not going to pay tax anymore. Actually, we're going to start our own country. Who wants to do that? Sick of paying tax? We'll start our own country. So they, so they did. And, and they named that new country Israel, which represented 10 or so tribes of Israel, and the, the, the remaining portion, which was still um, under King David's family line, was called Judah. So now we've got two kingdoms running. They're all God's people. They're all descendants of the people who God rescued from Egypt. But now they're divided into two nations. So does that make sense, everybody? You got that so far? So those loyal to David's throne remained and became the kingdom of Judah. And the others became the northern kingdom called Israel. Oh, this is good preaching, Rob. This is good. <clears throat> I'm loving it. Most of the kings of Judah worshipped God. Most of the kings of Judah, by and large, not all of them, but most of them either uh, started off worshipping God and, and, and having the whole uh, nation of Judah worshipping God, but sometimes they went a little bit wonky. But virtually no king of Israel worshipped God. They all got it wrong. They all worshipped idols and other things. Uh, Some of the kings of Israel even sacrificed their children on altars to foreign gods. Uh, They went right off the the track that what God had planned for them. But if we go eight generations later from that time when the kingdom split, we have a king called Hezekiah in Judah, one of King David's descendants. And he institutes a revival to worship God. And he goes so far 
to invite Israel to join the worship festival. The, the worship festival. So he's saying, God's put something in my heart. I want to have a, I want to have a revival. And I want to have a, a, a time where we all come back and worship God like, like we should have all along. And he, he gets so excited that he sends invitations even to Israel, to, to, the, to the rebels who, who said, we, we're not going to pay tax anymore. And he sends uh, uh, messengers, sends out text messages, had this huge group text. So all of Israel gets the invitation. <clears throat> but he asked, asked all these people to come and join the festival. And it was a great success as people turned back to God from, uh, from Judah and Israel. They, they all came together. They had a Passover. They, they slaughtered their lambs. They ate the lamb. They had the, the, all the traditions were, were restored and they had a great time. It was an incredible time of celebration in the, in the nation of Judah. But all their, their neighbors in Israel came as well. The thing that was so amazing is that no king had ever been able to accomplish that thing. But if we, if we read through the story, and I, I really want us to consider some of the things in our lives and what's in the place of God. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 1. It says this, When the festival ended, the Israelites... Who attended, remember where were the Israelites? They were the breakaway. They were the, they were the ones who don't pay tax. It says, the Israelites who attended, because they went from Israel, their country, into Judah. It was like if we all went to Victoria, but you wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but that, they all went to Judah, all the Israelites, and um, where are up to? They, they, I'll start from the start. When the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh, and they they smashed all the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and removed the pagan shrines and altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own towns and homes. So they went back home to where they came from. So I want you to see something. Hopefully you're starting to see it already. See, the people from Israel who came to Judah to worship got so passionate. They're like, we've never, never, ever had anything like this happen before because they're used to worshipping their idols. They're used to worshipping foreign gods, things that, that God never intended for them to have in their lives. And they got so, uh, so excited that they said, well, before we go home, let's go right throughout the land of Judah and destroy all the foreign gods. So, so they went through, they smashed them, they burned them, they, they destroyed all the foreign gods in, in the land of Judah. But then they went home to Israel, back to their own idols. It's, it, they had a conviction. And it's like something like that, that you have a, a conviction in your life that there's an idol there. But instead of dealing with it in your backyard, you chop down the next door neighbours. It's a little bit like saying if, if you've got a conviction about TV, but you go to someone else's house and, 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 and crash their TV. But you still got yours. In effect, they were blind to their own condition, but they actively destroyed the idols next door. And we, we need to be uh, discovering our spiritual walk with Jesus all the time and saying, Jesus, help me to see the things that are in the way of the purity of your power in my life. So these, these guys, are, it's like someone having a conviction about alcohol and then emptying your fridge. 
not mine. We won't find any there. I remember once, this is a true story, I went to work once and we always used to have big, big parties and barbecues, that, you know, in construction. There's always a reason to have a booze on. And, and it was like you're a freak if you didn't drink. It's like you, you're, 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 it's like you're deprived, you're, you're, you're somehow broken because you can't get blind with everyone. And so the people would be, uh, everyone, oh, you're having a, having a beer, you're having a beer, you're having a scotch, you're having a this. And I'll be like, oh, no, no, it's okay, I don't, don't drink. It's like, there's like horns pop out of your head and people think that you're, you're mad. But uh, one day I thought, well, I, I got, just to keep everyone happy, I got a can of beer and I walked around, I didn't even open it, and I walked around, talked to everybody, and everyone was, no one asked me anything, and then I went to my car and went home. And I put the beer in the fridge. That night or so, we had a, a, a ministry team meeting at our house at the church we were in. <laughs> I was on this team. And this never, ever happened before. One of the other you know, guys on the team goes to our fridge to see what's in the fridge. And he comes out and it was just this big evil thing. He had this can of beer and he says, what's this doing here? I said, I got it from work today. I thought we'd make some batter or something out of it. And he goes, why is it in the fridge then? I don't know. Ask my wife. That's it. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is sometimes we can have a conviction and we're, we're wanting everyone else to carry the conviction, but we don't deal with our own. We leave, the, we leave our idol there quite comfortably, but we want others to deal with theirs. And that's what these people of Israel did to Judah. Um, now I'm going to go to take a, a headline grab right now. There's a headline grab. In 2 Timothy 3.2, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is describing to the church and to Timothy, who, who was his uh, student, what the world's going to be like in the end times. And I, don't, I, I mean, I know that, that we could interpret a lot of what's happening in the world today and, and recognize that if this is not the end times, and I don't know what we're waiting for. But it says this about what people will be like in the end times before the world, you know, closes this history finishes and jesus comes back to take away the church it says this people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful proud abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful and unholy and it goes on that that dash means I, i didn't read it all to you so it continues but the idol that we are most vulnerable to and most blind to ourselves is myself Say myself to yourself. Good, you're there. See, myself tells me what's good for me. My favorite stuff. Myself tells me to be comfortable. My favorite places. Myself tells me my needs come first. Myself tells me everyone else is the problem. Myself has no problem making sacrifices to please myself. Myself has an opinion, and, and that opinion is connected to my will and my voice. So we even rewrite the Lord's Prayer to my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God. But the myself idol is very good at being invisible and undetected by most of us because it's so, uh, so a part of how we live our Christian life that we don't even realize that we've got something else on the altar. 
that should be, that should be uh, representing God or Jesus in our life, having that place. I want to give you a, a, an illustration of someone who was totally out of control when it came to the myself idol. It's a man called Absalom. He's one of King David's sons. And he's, he's a, a perfect example of a person who has the myself idol as his altar in his life. Just have a look at, at this. It says, during his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to who? Himself. That dash represents there was other things in between there. I, I, I deleted that. And he named the monument after himself. Absalom was so myself focused that he built a monument to celebrate himself. It'd be like having like a special day of the year in honor of you. And that's not a bad idea, I think. If you think about it for yourself, you think it's going to be a, ho- a public holiday, not Father's Day, not Mother's Day, not Christmas Day, Rob's Day. And everyone gives you presents and everyone honors you and everyone gives you food and Who's in for that? We'll have it for every single one of us gets that day. But Absalom's myselfness, if that's a word, led him into political agitation against the king who was also his father. And so he, he's so absorbed by himself. He's saying, I'm gonna, I've built a monument to myself. Or, uh, I'm, I'm uh, uh, so absorbed with everything about myself and how good I look. It says he used to have a haircut once a year. And who does this? You used to weigh the hair. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty my self-focus. Hey, when you go to the barbershop, just sweep that all up. Can you just weigh that for me, please? Mm, how much did that weigh? Mm. He's, he's crazy up, you know. I was going to say something that's not quite very good there, but he was crazy, my selfness focused. And he, he's so absorbed with that that he challenges king david to be king eventually but my self-focused people find it hard to have any other lord than themselves because it's 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 all about themselves it's all about what's happening in their world it's all about how important they are how big they are how how much people love them and so absalom has this this idol in his life which was all about himself and we need to realize some of these things in Absalom and, and, and make sure that we don't depose Jesus and put our statue there. So Jesus put it like this, Luke 9.23. Uh, then he said to them, All whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. If we personalize this, Jesus is saying to to be my disciple, deny the myself idol and just have Jesus instead. You've got to deny the myself idol in your life and start to replace that with Jesus. And I mean, it's the hardest idol to, to kill. It's the hardest idol to deny because we're so, so indoctrinated about life being all about the myself idol. So we train babies to be myself focused. I'm not saying don't look after babies or children, but, but it's something that we're, that we're so good at, at doing is making people focus on the myself idol that they can't let another 
another Lord into their life. So living with the myself idol, when the myself idol is in control, it makes it impossible to understand the values and the culture of the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to bring all this back to Jesus Christ and the cross, the power of the blood that, that sweeps away our sin, that, that uh, has a place in our life that can totally transform and, and bring renewal in every part of us. But sometimes those parts Jesus can't have access to because we're saying that's reserved for another idol which is all about myself. Does that make sense this morning? So those, th- those two, uh, Jesus' um, culture and our idols, they don't complement each other. Now the devil, we're only mentioning him once this morning, the devil doesn't have to get you to bow to a statue. Because we think, oh, I've got no idols, I don't have any statues in my house. I went to the Chinese house down the street and I, 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 I burnt their Buddha statue. You know, we, we can think like that. But the devil doesn't have to get you to bow to a statue. He just has to get you to bow to your will, not God's. And we do it all the time. We do it without thinking. And we can see other people say and, and go, oh, look at that. that, that, that they, they're idolizing that thing in their life. But then we, we do exactly the same in something else. So I'm going to give you some points to take down the myself idol. There's a, a few keys here. I'll just run through them, then I'll shoot them up on the screen. So if you're taking notes, you can jot them down. Number one, if you want to take down the myself idol, is love people. Love other people. Not for what you can get out of them, but because you want to serve them. Even those who don't share your values or culture. Sometimes we find it easy to love people who have the same culture, have the same values. They're easy to love. But if we're going to have a, a take down the, the myself idol, we've got to discover how to love people who think differently to us, who look differently, who eat different food. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23. Uh, Paul speaks about uh, he's adapting himself to reach all people because he loves Jesus and Jesus loves people. Now for Paul who was a Jew to say I, I'm all things to all men was like a criminal offence as a Jew. It was like don't, don't associate with Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Don't have anything to do with them. They are unclean. They, they don't worship the same God. They eat food different to us that we're not allowed to eat. They don't wash their hands like we wash our hands. They're, they're They're to be separated from us. And Paul is saying a radical statement. He's saying, I'm going to be all things to all men so that I can win some. Because his love for Jesus, his love for people is stronger than his culture. And he's stretching himself and taking himself way outside of his comfort zone to reach people for Jesus. So the first point in breaking the myself idol is learn to love other people. So in that, in that there's a couple of headings. Uh, see life from others' perspective. I saw something the other day where there was a little cartoon and there was two people on either side of this, this uh, uh, number drawn on the ground. And one person was saying it's, it's nine and the other person on the other side was saying it's six. They were both right from their perspective. And we need to realise that we can both be right but we're living life from a different perspective. And so we need to recognize others' perspective and not think that it's all 
our way or no way. The other part about loving others is be a person who lifts and encourages and supports and actively promotes other people and highlight their good. Try that with your husband or wife. Highlight the good of someone else. Not always uh, putting the spotlight on, on their, the, the, the negatives or the faults that they might have. Number two in taking down the idols of myself is be generous. See, having a generous spirit is much more than just giving money or stuff. It's about uh, encouraging the best in others and having the joy of sharing. And people who don't understand that just don't get what a a generous spirit is like. I went to school, maybe you've heard this story, and I had a, a friend called Ronnie, and Ronnie was an incredible generous guy. And I don't know how or why, but he always had stuff to give away. He always had money, that's why I was his best friend. So we'd always have money to buy. So, but Ronnie would be like, he, 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 didn't, he never gave to get. I never ever remember him saying, oh, you owe me because I, I, I bought you this or that. Or if he had anything, you'd say, oh, wow, Ronnie, that's a cool yo-yo. He'd say, yo, you have it. I want you to. No, you have that one. I'm like, oh, no, Ronnie, I can't. Yeah, thanks. And I remember the teacher saying one day in front of the whole class, you could do this in those days, she got Ronnie up the front and she said, Ronnie, you can't buy your friends. So you've got to stop giving, you know, buying lollies and, and giving away your stuff. You can't buy your friends, Ronnie. And I remember he was so hurt by that and so upset. But the thing was, the teacher couldn't understand. He was just a person with a genuine generosity about himself that just says, I just love to give. It's part of who I am and he can't help not giving things. And, and we've got to have that, that uh, you know, he wasn't a believer or anything like that, I'm not saying this, but there's a spirit in him that, that we need to learn from and that we need to be people like who say, I can't help but give because I'm a generous person and it's not, my life isn't all about what I'm getting for myself, but it's how I can be a blessing to someone else. That's that kind of generosity that I'm talking about. So Part of generosity is uh, um, sharing your stuff, uh, encouraging others in, 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 in uh, being generous with, with, with compliments. Um, another angle of that is consider your sacrifice uh, in offerings towards God, that what you bring to your church. Are you stingy to God? It's one thing to be stingy with your packet of twisties, but are you stingy with God? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 to 12 um, talks a lot about giving you might maybe you, you need to just check that out but uh god it says in second corinthians there god loves cheerful givers god loves people who can give with a generous spirit about them the third thing uh deal with pride um it's a dece- uh, it's a deception that dep- uh, dethrones jesus and promotes myself when you have pride in your life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about uh, destroying every proud obstacle that keeps people away uh, or keeps us from knowing God in his fullness. Um, It says we capture every rebellious thought um, and teach it to obey Christ. So also Proverbs uh, 11.2 talks about how um, pride uh, is a robber in our life. And we need to replace that with a genuine humility. So dealing with pride is really important because pride will say, I, I need to protect my monument to myself. 
Some people have monuments that they're very proud of about a ministry. And some people, the ministry comes in seasons. If you're in ministry, you need to understand this. Ministry comes in seasons in your life. And, and you need to realize and recognize the seasons. But sometimes that season ends. But the problem is we've got this massive monument somewhere in here. And we say, well, I can't let that die. I've got to, I've got to protect that. And I've got to, I've got to uh, um, never let that go. Because a lot of my identity is locked up in that. And it's called pride. And it makes you stay at a place that you should have let go of and moved away from. So pride is a real, a real barrier um, to, uh, hang, oh, well, it causes you to hang on to the myself idol very effectively. Um, so you've got to deal with pride in your life and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let God speak into your life. Let others speak into your life. I'm amazed with people who, who tell me things and I, and I say to Pauline, I wish I as a pastor had so much power over their lives. So they're telling me, oh, that this person told me that and that person told me that and I need to do this and, 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 and someone else told me to do this or that. And I'm thinking, I wish I had that much influence over people. I could be dangerous. The fourth one, recognize life is spiritual. I know people say, well, we, we, can, we can go to church and we can um, uh, do things and, and, and be Christian. But sometimes I don't think we always recognize that life is spiritual. 2 Corinthians 10.3 talks about we, we are human, but we don't war as humans do. It doesn't say that in the... In, in the this is my paraphrased version of the Bible. We're human, but we don't war as humans do. So we, we fight against spiritual forces. And you need to realize that you're in a spiritual warfare every single day. There's, there's things that want to set themselves up as idols in your life. And the myself idol says, yeah, that's okay, because you're important. You're more important than Jesus. Your comfort is what really matters the most. So We've got to recognize that in this spiritual battle, we are mincemeat, we are dead ducks when we're serving our own idol. When we're serving the myself idol, the only thing that is going to bring us safety is when we come under the banner, under the umbrella, under the, the safety of Jesus Christ and say, that is the only thing I'm going to worship and make Lord in my life. When you live in that, you live in blessing, you live in prosperity, you live in goodness. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's like a, a magical cure and you'll never get a flat tire. But what I do say is you have peace in the fire. Number five. I'll put them all up there for you. Oh, gee, you need a microscope to see them. <clears throat> Number five, be willing to admit fault. We're not really good at that. We're not, the, 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 the premise of that is we're not always right. I say that we are. We're not always right. James 3.17 says, yield to others. That means to, to give in to others. And I'm not saying that we're just a doormat to everything and we just say, well, that's okay, well, what, whatever, uh, we'll just let everything happen over the top of us. But, you know, we need to be willing to admit that we've been wrong from time to time. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be patient with others, making allowance for each other's faults because of love. The myself idol 
is fixated on being the rightest. You ever had a, converse, a conversation with someone and they, they not, not only have to be right, they've got to be the rightest. And they're not going to stop until they're the rightest in this argument. But you know what? One of the great ways of dethroning the myself idol is, is recognising that sometimes you don't always have to be right. That sometimes you can, you can yield to someone else's thought. And we need to, uh, I think, adopt that, those kind of things into our marriages, into our families, with our children. Because many, many relationships in families are broken because of the, 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 the myself idol that says, but I am right and you are wrong. Sometimes we're too politically uh, um, nice in, in a general sense with people outside of our families that we, that we give a lot more there than what we do in our own household. Number six, be hospitable. Be hospitable. That means be friendly. Make it a habit to have guests. Invite people to your house. People who you don't know. Invite people into your, into your world. Uh, invite people out. If you, if you think, well, there's, there's reasons why it's inappropriate for me to have people come back to my house. Maybe there's all sorts of reasons why. But you might think, well, um, I can take people out for, for, for a coffee or for lunch somewhere. It doesn't have to be um, expensive or anything like that. Or we can go out for a picnic or, or do other things. But we, um, but we need to uh, develop an attitude of, of hospitality. Even as a church, we need to develop a, a, a hospitable attitude and relationship with people. I mean, go really out there and, and, and pay for the coffee too when you invite people out. Hebrews 13.2 says, Some have entertained angels without knowing it. I mean, that, that, that talks about um, spiritual encounters with, with uh, people who are actually angels, but... We've been hospitable, invited them to our house and, and, and had a cup of coffee with them and, and then suddenly realized that when they're gone that that must have been an angel. I, I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. But you know what? There's people too that we need to be hospitable to. We need to get in the habit. I, I grew up in, in an Italian home and uh, we went to church and it didn't matter what Sunday, every Sunday we had a whole house full of people that my mum would invite for lunch and so you'd have you know li literally 10 or 15 extras every single Sunday all piled in for lunch um, but we had a hospitable culture in our family in our house at that time number seven avoid comparing yourself to others because when you're comparing yourself you're, you're you're setting up your idol this can be negative in lots of ways um, but it's usually biased and unproductive when you're lived with the myself idol and comparing yourself with everybody else. Either we compare others above us, which is very negative, or we compare others below us. And both, both ways are wrong. Romans 12.3 says, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So how do we depose that the, the, the myself idol there is we replace that by faith in Jesus that He gives us. And that is something that grows within us. 
Number eight, nearly there. Deal with unbelief. Deal with unbelief. Because when we take uh, unbelief, we're setting up another idol. So, so we're saying, well, God, I can't believe that you can do that in my life. And we set up a, an idol to unbelief. Sometimes we think it's going to be in my strength. I haven't got the money. I can't believe God's going to do this or that. But we've got to deal with unbelief. It's the opposite of faith. And we need to build our faith by putting our eyes on Jesus and seeing Him, not our, uh, not our idol or our problem. We've got to put confidence in the Word of God above our instinct or our feelings. Sometimes we, we, we just go through life by having gut feelings, instinct. Sometimes we go through life by, by um, just what we feel. I don't feel like. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. So God has given you a promise in your life and you need to, you need to remind yourself about, the, about those promises, about the good things that Jesus speaks over your life. Sometimes we don't know because we, we've never taken the time to hear God's voice. And that's why it's really important that we need to discover and, and, and highlight our Bible in our life. And God will speak to you clearly, powerfully, amazingly, um, direction, purpose, confirmation, warning, all through His Word. We need, to, we need to deal with unbelief. I think the best solution to unbelief is to know the Word. So that the enemy wants to bombard you. He wants to flood you with, with questions, with, with uh, things that, that maybe you can't, can't work out or understand or you, know, you don't know the reason why. But when you have the Word of God, you can, you can speak into that with a word from God. And when you start to live like that, you're building faith. You're building your life on a new foundation. So you've got to deal with unbelief. The last one, I think is a really important one, is just be real. Be who you are and be happy in your skin, knowing that you're chosen by God to serve and worship Him. So that can seem like a contradiction to taking down the myself idol, but it's, but it's being happy in yourself, knowing that Jesus, God, Holy Spirit is in you, created you, who you are, how you are, so that you can bring honour to Jesus, so that you can bring honour to God, so that you can be a vessel of the Holy Spirit that honours and worships Him every day that you are here. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, For you have been called by God. It says to live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Be honest with God and don't, Set yourself higher than God. Don't be an Absalom and build an idol, uh, a monument to yourself. Philippians 2 verse 2 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. See, an idol replaces... Industry, Jimmy. An idol replaces intimacy with God and contradicts His Word. I'll say that again. An idol replaces intimacy with God and contradicts His Word. Sometimes that's the reason why we can't, we can't live in the, the freedom of God's Word is because we can't get close to Him 
because we're so full of myself. When there's, a, when there's confusion, lack of direction or purpose, this can be dealt with and changed when Jesus is Lord and the myself idol removed. Myself idol is an obstacle to hearing from God. This morning, I want to pray for people today. We need to ask ourselves, can I make Jesus Lord above myself? And that's easy to preach, easy to listen to, but it's a, that's a massive question. And there's so many people who think, well, I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized. I, 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 I went on the journey of, of discovering spiritual things, but somehow my life is filled with confusion. Somehow my life is filled with despair. Somehow my life is filled with questions. And I think the answer why is because we never dealt with myself idol. We need to deal with that this morning. See, Jesus brings clarity when he's in the place where the myself idol stays. He brings direction. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to infuse you with hope. And today we can receive that in the Holy Spirit. But we need to have a, a shift in our thinking, a shift in our spirit, a shift in our attitude, a shift in the way we walk and talk. So this morning, I want to pray. If you want to receive this prayer, then you just say, Jesus, count me in because there's too much of my self idols in my life. And I want to shake them free because I want to be free to be who Jesus needs me to be because the world needs you to be a representation of Jesus. The world needs you to do things that, that God has anointed and appointed you to do. Don't make it about the myself idol. Say, Jesus, have that place in my life so that people see Jesus. They don't just see me. So, Heavenly Father, just bow your heads as I pray. I ask, Lord God, over this place today for those people who this word has become so real. Lord, that we, that we can deal with the myself idols in our life, that we can say, God, I want to submit myself and put you on the throne so that you can be in the place that sets me free. So Lord, we don't want to sacrifice our, our lives and the, on the altar of the idol of myself. But we want to be free in Jesus, free in the Spirit, to be all that we can be, to be peaceful, to be powerful, to be delivered and set free from every bondage. And Lord, I just pray that we may lay our lives down, take up the cross and follow you. This we pray in the amazing, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless your church. We're gonna, why don't we stand together? We're going to worship the Lord this morning. And as we do, we can be dealing with those things and say, Jesus, I want to put you in the place of the myself idol today. Be blessed. Have a great week.